Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. All right, as promised now, a conversation with Professor Stephen Zunes, University of San Francisco, uh, about um, about nonviolence uh, as a potential uh, alternative in the Middle East. Before we commence that conversation, uh, listen to uh, this clip, uh, and I'll explain what you're hearing afterwards. My name is Rosalind Pacheski. I'm here with a, maybe a thousand others, a lot of us Jews, but we are here to protest the genocide that is happening in our name. It has to stop. We are crying every minute. I have a dear friend, Mohammed, with his little family in Gaza. sound um, sounds from uh, Jewish Voice for Peace and their allies who shut down the main terminal at Grand Central Station during rush hour on Friday, one of New York's uh, largest acts of civil disobedience uh, in 20 years. They were demanding a ceasefire uh, in Gaza. The multiracial intergenerational movement says about 400 folk were arrested, including rabbis, famous actors and elected officials from uh, the state uh, and city of New York. And that uh, person you heard uh, is Rosalind Pacheski, professor of political science at Hunter College. That's what you just heard. I once interviewed uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu some years ago, and in the spirit of uh, my hero, Dr. King, I asked Bibi whether he had ever considered the power of nonviolent action in conflict zones like the Middle East. At first, uh, Bibi scoffed at me, sort of. And then, to my mind, he went on to dismiss and disrespect Dr. King. And you know me, after that, it was on and popping. So here we are all these years later, and Bibi Netanyahu is once again Prime Minister of Israel in the midst of yet another war. And I want to have a conversation right now for these uh, 25 minutes or so. Uh, I could do it longer, and maybe we will, uh, as this uh, escalation continues to um, uh, move forward unabated. Uh, so today, just a teaser, if you will. But I want to talk here briefly about nonviolence as an alternative. And I mean this seriously. Nonviolence as an alternative to the escalating war between Israel and Hamas. I look forward uh, to a a fascinating and empowering conversation right now about nonviolent conflict resolution with University of San Francisco Professor Stephen Zunes, who I'm honored to have on this program. Professor Zunes, how are you today, sir? Very good, thank you. Good to have you on the program. Let me jump right in and make the most of our time. Um, For those... um, 
who would scoff <laughs> at the very question, the very notion uh, that that nonviolent um, conflict resolution could, in fact, be an option in the Middle East? You say what? Well, I say that if you look at the, um, the history of uh, civil resistance, nonviolent action, actually a disproportionate number of movements uh, for democracy and justice have taken place in uh, uh, Middle Eastern countries. We, uh, we've indeed, from the 1930s, the uh, uh, you know, Palestinians were re- resisting the colonization of their land by some of the uh, uh, or at least Zionist settlers, and, and the, with the collaboration of the British government, Egypt won its independence from Britain in a, in a, uh, a nonviolent struggle in 1919-1920. We've seen pro-democracy movements that unfortunately have only short-lived victories, but did bring down uh, dictatorships in countries like um, uh, Egypt and, and Yemen. Uh, we've seen the, the first first intifada in the late 1980s, though the iconic image was of a, of a kid throwing uh, 90% of the actions were classic nonviolent movements, these things like um, uh, s- uh, strikes and, and boycotts and um, other or non- or various forms of uh, non-cooperation. And in Israel, the peace movement was strong for years against the occupation. You had draft resistors and people who, some people who were, who are, who were willing to serve in the Israeli ar- army, but not to serve in the occupied territories. So there is quite a, a tradition uh, tradition there, but ultimately when you're talking about uh, nonviolent conflict resolution, you got to look at under, underlying justice. In the case of Israel-Palestine, what you need is some kind of equitable settlement where both Israeli Jews and Palestinian Arabs have their rights, either in a viable two-state solution, which both the Israeli government and Hamas uh, reject, or in some kind of binational a state where they each have equal rights. The Palestine Authority is open to both of those, but uh, the uh, Israeli government has not. And thanks to U.S. support for the Israeli government, refusing to pressure them to make the necessary compromises for peace, the more moderate Palestinians have been weakened. And, of course, we see the rise of these extremists uh, that, like Hamas that committed that horrific terrorist act earlier this month. If Bibi were in this conversation right now, he would laugh at both you and me. He'd scoff once again at the very notion of nonviolent conflict resolution as an option um, because he's determined and said publicly he wants to crush and destroy Hamas. But I mentioned Dr. King to him years ago in that conversation, Professor Zunes. He, he, he laughed in part because he said, Tavis, um, Dr. King didn't know Hamas. Dr. King did not know Hezbollah. And you know, you can just imagine, uh, you don't know me, but you can imagine I went in on him. Uh, as if King didn't understand the Klan oh, yeah. and didn't I, know. I, 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 I remember I remember that period. The, yeah. the, the, the Night Riders, the Klan, sure. Klansmen, these are terrorists. Yeah. These are terrorists by any definition. Yeah. And uh, and I, my, my father taught it. I was, I was a kid. My father taught at Tougaloo College, historically black college in oh, Mississippi. Yes. Our house was shot at. We had we, we were terrified. And our black neighbors were even more terrified. Mm. You know, this it, it, so so it was about terrorism. I <laughs> Yeah, so your, your phone's wobbling on me. So when he suggests, uh, Bibi Netanyahu did, that Dr. King didn't know Hamas and didn't know Hezbollah, and therefore nonviolent uh, conflict resolution would never work in the Middle East, what would you have said to him? Yeah, just uh, just uh, underscoring that uh, you know, uh, King knew about uh, dealing with terrorism in the South, and that basically you have to look you know, you, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I could not tell you an appropriate nonviolent tactic 
if a, a, a terrorist is attacking your 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 town, your, your whatever. And I could tell you it was a, a nonviolent tactic to protect you if Israel was bombing your uh, bombing your city. What I could tell you is nonviolence as a strategy, as an overall strategy, that, that based on the dignity of, of, of everybody involved. And the trouble is, is that the Israeli government, especially under this uh, uh, government, has refused to make the necessary compromises for peace, refused to make a two-state solution. Hamas had only like 10, 15 percent of Palestinian support back when the Oslo Agreement was signed. They, but they said, oh, the Palestine Authority, the Fatah, the PLO, they were suckers. They're naive to trust that Israel would give them a viable state. They're naive to trust. And they ended up being right on that. And so more and more people ended up supporting them as a result. Yeah. If there had been a viable Palestinian state by the end of the 1990s, also a process of the U.S. had pushed Israel to make the necessary compromises for peace, Hamas would not be a factor. In fact, the United States played a key role in getting Hamas to take over Gaza in the first place by when, when, when Hamas did well in the, in the Palestinian legislative elections. Uh, the Bush administration pushed the the Fatah, the, the more moderate secular party in, in the Palestine Authority, pushed them out. And when they did, was um, by force. Yeah, it was. It wasn't just Bush who supported Hamas, as I said on this program yesterday. I, I read a direct quote from Bibi Netanyahu, who basically said, "If you uh, do not believe uh, that there should be a two-state solution." then you should essentially join me in supporting Hamas. And he cleared the way for tons of money uh, to make its way to Hamas. That was BB then, uh, like 2018, 2019. Now here he is in 2023, and he wants to crush and destroy them after having supported them as a way to play this game to not end up with a two-state solution. I digress for now. When we come forward, I want to talk about the point you just made about the dignity of everybody involved. That was your line the dignity of everybody involved. Is there dignity for everybody involved? We'll talk about it with Stephen Zunes, professor at University of San Francisco, when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like Who do you trust to get at the truth? Tavis Smiley. Smiley. That's who. The conversation continues right now. I should mention, uh, since we're talking about Dr. King, uh, who I raised earlier in this conversation, uh, this week on Thursday, as I recall, we will commemorate, whether you know it or not, <laughs> now you will know it, the 40th anniversary of the day that Ronald Reagan signed the King Holiday Bill. Believe it or not, this Thursday, feel old, don't you? I know I do. 40th anniversary this Thursday of uh, Reagan, uh, Ronald Reagan then-president, signing the King Holiday Bill uh, over great protestation. He didn't, he didn't want to do it. He got forced into doing it. And then, as you know, there are states who dragged their feet, uh, making it a holiday. Arizona, the last state to finally do so. We had to just go all in on Arizona. Uh, but a great lineup of, of guests on Thursday, including Brianna Joy Gray, uh, the noted public intellectual Michael Eric Dyson, who's written powerfully about Dr. King. Uh, somebody named Nikki Giovanni <laughs> will be with us on Thursday. A great lineup on Thursday as we commemorate the fourth anniversary of the King holiday uh, Bill, a great new documentary out about Nikki Giovanni's work, so we'll talk about that as well. So it's uh, going to be a great lineup on Thursday, 40 years after Reagan signs the King Holiday Bill. Uh, I just want to mention that since I was talking about Dr. King moments ago. That's, again, on Thursday's program. Back to Professor Stephen Zunes now talking about nonviolent conflict resolution as a real possibility in the Middle East, uh, no matter how much BB and others will scoff at it. You were talking earlier, though, about the dignity of everyone involved. Let me ask you right quick, 
whether or not you think there is dignity uh, in on, on both sides of this. Um, uh, I've said many times that I, I think part of the problem is that every Palestinian doesn't think that the life of a Jewish baby has the same value as that of a Palestinian baby and vice versa. And that, for me, Professor Zooms, is part of the problem. Yeah, well, certainly uh, the leadership of Hamas and leadership of the uh, um, Israeli government you know, don't value the lives of the uh, of the other, that's for sure. Uh, but there have been many, many years of, 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 of dialogue groups and activism. Uh, there have been uh, uh, Jews and Palestinians uh, uh, committing civil disobedience together uh, together to stop the expansion of these illegal Israeli settlements. Um, I joined a group of Israelis and Palestinians a few years ago trying to prevent the school from being demolished by Israeli bulldozers in the occupied West Bank to make way for an expanded site. Uh, they've gone to protect olive groves that are, are, are being attacked by these right-wing uh, uh, set, uh, Israeli settlers. So we've seen uh, Jews and Palestinians together yep. uh, trying to stop the violence from the uh, occupation. To your point about... And, uh, that's, 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 that's moving. There is definitely uh, areas where uh, they two can work together, and yeah. and there's nothing quite like seeing people from the other side on your side. Yeah, you know that 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 helps humanize the humanize the people. One of the tragedies of what's been going on was that some of the people killed in the Hamas terrorist attacks were uh, uh, people who lived on the kibbutz on kibbutzim. These were collective farms. These are socialist entities. Entities. These are people who are who are largely against the occupation, against right. Netanyahu. And I know personally of a number, number of Palestinians who've died who are very active against Hamas, very much into peace and reconciliation, who've been killed by Israeli bombs. To the, to, that's the thing. When you start killing uh, civilians indiscriminately on either yeah. side, you know, you're, 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 not, you're, 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 you're killing everybody. Yeah, to your, to your point about Jews, um, many of them who are, uh, who are uh, not in lockstep with Netanyahu, we started uh, playing a clip some, of some Jewish voices in New York uh, who are not in lockstep with Netanyahu. We'll talk about that in our remaining moments. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. From the Mert Park with love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Smart talk for curious people just like you. Just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Smiley. I've got three very tight minutes here, Professor Zooms. Let me close with this. Um, there are a number of Jewish voices that are um, in opposition to what uh, Bibi Netanyahu is doing, to what Joe Biden is doing. I was looking at some polling this morning. He's slowly starting to lose support, in part because as the voices grow for a ceasefire, including Jewish forces, Bibi has said uh, that ceasefire is surrender. And as you know, the Biden administration has stopped everybody from using the phrase ceasefire or, you know, mm-hmm. or de-escalation. So how do you read this, these, these growing voices and protest uh, to what this, Bibi's this, doing? This, yeah. Well, you know, um, this could, uh, uh, Gaza could be uh, what listed, uh, Vietnam was to Lyndon Johnson. You know, you have a president who has a surprisingly progressive domestic agenda. Let's say, you know, that is alienating young voters, um, uh, uh, people of color, and other folks. I mean, you know, more and more young Americans in particular see uh, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in the context of racial justice, from the context of, of indigenous rights, and are much more sympathetic to the Palestinian side than their elders. And this all-out position for this terror bombing, which has killed over 6,000 civilians in the past uh, three weeks, is really turning a lot of people off. I'm hearing my students say, no way I'm going to vote for you know, youth turnout, youth enthusiasm, that's critical if the Democrats are going to win. And he's losing it right now. This could be a real problem uh, for the Democrats. 
Yeah, it's that phone line. Uh, I promise uh, next time we have uh, Stephen Zooms on, we'll get him on a better phone line. But I thank him for coming on today uh, to uh, to engage us in this dialogue about uh, nonviolent conflict resolution and why folk in the Middle East, um, uh, Bibi Netanyahu and beyond, won't consider that. I mean, it, it changed this country and the whole world took notice of what Dr. King and those practitioners of nonviolence were able to do to turn this country around and to suggest that King didn't know Hamas or the King didn't know Hezbollah and therefore that uh, nonviolent conflict resolution has absolutely no weight uh, or no resonance in a moment such as this, I think is completely stuck on stupid. That's just me. Uh, again, we'll continue to track this, uh, but there are a number of uh, protests uh, growing in this country and around the globe. Uh, there are a great deal more Jewish voices who are calling for ceasefire, uh, and this is getting interesting. You heard uh, Professor Zunes make the point very quickly a moment ago that this could be uh, Biden's LBJ moment. You've got, you know, good liberal policies at home, essentially, uh, but your war policy is turning people off, young people off. Uh, and Democrats are going to need those young voters. Democrats are going to need every vote to pull this off. And so Biden's poll numbers are starting to slip a bit uh, with regard to his handling of this matter. Um, but I digress for now. When we come forward, uh, a great deal more of Tavis Smiley.